This is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. What's up, everybody? Hey, Matt. Hello. Oh, is that a new I voice I hear? Yeah. <laughs> me, 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 me. Doesn't sound it like it. It is me. No, this is not Pretty Good for Girl. No, this is not Tea Time. No, this is not Wrestling with Respect. You are listening to Metal Rock and Whiskey. And it is, yes, Jenny. Here I am. <laughs> Jenny in the house. <laughs> All right, we have let her into the Metal Rock and Whiskey Studios for this evening. Snuck in again. Sailor told me to keep it on, you little punks. I guess we didn't do a good enough job last week, Ed. <laughs> yeah, now we need, Jesus, obviously we, need, we need supervision. <laughs> yeah. Her henchman. All right. What the hell's going on, everybody? Anything new, exciting? Well, did you guys get the glasses I sent you? Oh. I did. I'm drinking from mine right now. Metal Rock and Whiskey. Boom, yes. boom, boom. What are these little cuppies called? Glen Cairns. Glen Cairns. Glen Cairns. Not Glen, not Glen Cairns. Karen. Karen. <laughs> <laughs> They're not basic. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if our listeners want to get on this Glen Cairn action... What do they have to do? Oh, yeah. So we have actually, if you don't know, you guys should know if you listen to the show, we have some great merch. We got Glen Cairns if you're on the whiskey side. We got some pretty good uh, swag, uh, you know, if you're more on the metal and rock side. Uh, and if you want to buy some, you know, you can DM any one of us. You can DM our Instagram page, Metal Rock and Whiskey. You can DM Spirit of Rock Pod. You can DM Ed, you can DM myself or Sailor at Sailor Retro. Uh, very affordable, very cool. Get on that uh, if you want any of this uh, awesome stuff. And I would also definitely stickers and buttons, right? Stickers and buttons, yeah. But I would because... definitely suggest the Glen Cairns. The Glen Cairns are fucking beautiful, beautiful. Yes, they are. You can, yeah. You have to see them in person to appreciate how nice they are. But uh, yeah, you just, so right now you just have to take our word for it. Exactly. And not to blow smoke up our own asses, but our logo is badass. The Glen Cairn is badass. <laughs> and you combine the two together, the universe just ends. You get a badass yeah. glass. Yes. <laughs> I want to do a pretty good for a girl puppy, one of these. I think See, that would cool be too. cool, too, because you got, your guys' logo is pretty badass, too. Yes. I got to say. Yeah, Me and Sailor pretty, come up with that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Ass. It's pretty good for a girl. Oh, I'm going to slap you. I'm going to slap you. This is just, why I'm here. I just, I just. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're going to come down the hall and slap me? Yeah, <laughs> I am. So you got the advantage here. I'm out Jen of reach of her slap. John <laughs> and I are recording the same house, but different rooms, different studios. Yep. All right, so 
I guess I should mention while we're on the topic of merch and metal rock and whiskey swag, we also have a Patreon page um, for metal rock and whiskey, pretty much for the entire network. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, patreon.com forward slash metal rock whiskey pod. You can check out our different uh, Patreon levels, you know, whether you want to do a dollar or if you want to be my best friend forever, you can do a hundred dollars mm-hmm. or $500. If you want to, uh, you know, come live with me. You can do 500 bucks a month. Wow. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we got some pretty cool price tiers, some some different cool merch that you can get, some exclusive merch, exclusive downloads. You can get all that stuff uh, if you become a Patreon. As little as $1 a month, people. That's less than a cup of coffee. $1 mm-hmm. a month. Uh, so go check that out uh, while we're on the subject of the merch and the Patreon. Go and do it. We will wait. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're back. So now, what are we doing? That, talking about? Uh, we've covered that very important topic. Let's talk about what we're uh, discussing here tonight. Um, tonight, we'll be discussing a truly legendary band. Um, a band led by two dynamic sisters who forged their path in the late 70s and 80s, releasing several hit records and selling over 35 million albums worldwide. They garnered top 10 albums in four, get this, four different decades. And they were rightly enshrined in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2013. Tonight, if you haven't guessed already who I'm talking about, we are, of course, talking about the band Heart. I cannot wait to get into this this discussion, and I know Jen cannot wait. Also, yeah, I I can't wait. I love Heart. Um, back in the day, years and years and years ago, I was in a band. I think most of you guys already know, and we covered Barracuda and Hot Diggity Damn. That song killed. Everybody mm-hmm. fucking loves that jam, and hard as fuck to sing so hard to sing she wails i um, I have such an appreciation for her voice and the way she sings because she hits these these freaking notes and she hits them with like the balls that she has in her body like oh i love it so yeah i'm (laughs) pumped pumped for sure yeah that definitely that song definitely uh showcases her her range and i i I remember too back in those days that you know, we would go to different places to gig and a lot of the bar owners or, or club owners, whatever they were playing in, you know, were saying that like, you know, a lot of the bands try to cover that song and like 99 out of 100 couldn't hit the fucking notes and stuff in that mm-hmm. in that song. But Jen killed it, of course. Thanks, Sweet. You know. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, you know, before we get into our topic tonight, of course, the show is called Metal Rock and Whiskey. Mm. And we have to talk about what we're drinking tonight. So, you know, two of us might be drinking whiskey. There might be one of us who's drinking something else. Mm. Maybe. Just from, you know. I'm going to start off breaking the mold. 
<laughs> Break right. that mold, baby. Breaking the mold. No, we're not doing Judas Priest. <laughs> no, Breaking no. the mold. Breaking the mold. <laughs> so, um, I am Rumder Woman 24-7, and I'm staying true to my love of rum. And I am drinking bum, ba, da, bum, El Dorado. And it's a Demerara, and it is 12-year-old age, and it is fabulous and delicious. Usually, I drink my rum on the rocks. This one I'm just drinking just straight, and it is amazing. Probably one of the top five ones I've had. Well, that sounds, was sick. sounds good, just from the name alone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so Demerara is a style of rum uh, that's only really made in one part of the world, which is Guyana, which is a yeah. small country. Um, I believe it's it's on the Caribbean, but I think it's north of Brazil, one of those small countries. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a it's a darker style of rum, at least from what I taste, and I'm sure Jen can, you know, evaluate it as she tastes it here. Um, but pretty sweet too. It's it's made from molasses. I think pure purely just molasses. Um, yeah. But it's something that you don't see all the time. But it is a very very rich, delicious style of rum. Yeah, and is there have a 12 year or 15 year? What was the other one, babe? Um, El Dorado, I believe they have a 21 year also. 21 year, and I'm drinking the the 12 year, 12 year. 12 year is delicious. Yeah, 30 bucks. Barrels of deliciousness. So yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying my little thing today. So sorry, Metal Rock and whiskey. I turned it into Metal Rock and rum tonight. Well, you are rum for woman 24 (laughs) seven. After all, what are you drinking? Break. That's right. 24 right. 7. 24 7. Yep. Well, <laughs> well, I am sticking to whiskey. At a point. <laughs> um, and also, you know, being a bourbon geek, I have to go with bourbon. <laughs> so um, I picked up a bottle of, uh, it's like, actually, it's not a classic bourbon, but it's celebrating a classic bourbon. I figure that'd be appropriate since we're celebrating kind of a classic rock band here tonight. Go. Um, this is Jim Beam Repeal Batch. Oh. It is celebrating the 85th anniversary of Prohibition's repeal. And this is a Kentucky straight bourbon. It is non-chill filtered, 86 proof. And um, not sure how old this well, it's straight bourbon, so it has to be at least two years old. We know that. Correct. But other than that, you know, who knows what it is. But anyway. Is it good? Um, it is good. If um, you're Jim Beam curious, but not exactly <laughs> um, a fan of the standard offering, I would suggest you give this a chance because it is... I don't know if it owes it to the non-chill filtering or the age or something, but it is um, a bit different than the uh, standard Jim Beam offering. Let me um, see the color. Yeah, the color. Oh, it's pretty. It's a pretty, like a, it's like a shiny copper penny. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of spice in it, which I don't. Oh, that's nice. It's been a while since I've had the standard Jim Beam offering, but yeah, I don't likewise. remember it having this much spice okay. in the uh, in the nose or the taste. Like cooking so spices? I, I'm even wondering if it's a 
a different mash bill. I really would have a hard time believing that they did a different mash bill. But um, anyway. I always thought uh, it was like kind of what Jack Daniels does. Like they don't really, they're not forthcoming with what is in those special release bottles. Mm-hmm. But like I felt like, and I know you talked about Jack Daniels briefly on the last episode. Um, but I feel almost as if they're not really doing anything special to the juice. It's just sort of a collector's label, you know, like with some of that Jack stuff. Yeah. But I would love to do that up against the regular white label. Yeah. I, that's, that's a great idea. Actually, I probably should go out and buy a regular white label Jim Beam and do a head to head, um, blind. Is that that higher proof? Is that higher? No, it's 86 proof. It's 86. Okay. Yep. Which I believe is the standard. Jim I Beam. believe, yeah, I believe Jim Beam, regular right. Jim Beam's eighty-six proof. So, anyway, pretty interesting. How about you, Matt? Very cool. Well, I do have tonight's whiskey segment, and I am drinking tonight's whiskey segment. So, I guess we'll get into that. Do it. All right. All right, so as Ed said at the top, we are talking about heart. Um, and I had to come up with a whiskey, whiskey segment that did heart justice. And it really didn't take me long to figure something that I figure something out that I wanted to do. Um, there's really no doubt, and uh, I don't think either of you will disagree with me, and I don't think we're going to have many detractors that are listening, uh, that the Wilson sisters... Nancy and Anne are so vitally important to the landscape of rock. Uh, you know, as Ed said, you know, those top four albums and four, four album, top 10 albums in four different decades. I can't imagine many bands can say that. So incredible achievements from two incredibly talented musicians. Now, as you know, we've covered on this network, the vast achievements of women in the whiskey industry as well. Um, you know, more modern, obviously, but where does this actually start? How far back can we go? Well, actually, if you're looking for two women that paved the way, you can actually go back all the way to the 1820s. Now, let's start the story with a man. His name is John Cumming. John Cumming was a Scotsman. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Why did I know that you're going to laugh at that? <laughs> sorry. Actually, you wouldn't be you if you didn't laugh at that. So I actually have in my notes here, pause for potential laughter. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christmas. So John Cumming was a Scotsman. (laughs) Really, he was a two-bit whiskey smuggler, like many of his kind at that day. Uh, At this time in Scotland, uh, the powers that be were trying to completely dissolve any of the moonshining operations that were happening. And we're really starting to try and levy heavy taxes on those who wanted to play by the book, so to speak, and uh, operate an actual distillery under the letter of the law. So in 1824, John established the Cardew Distillery. Uh, He left the day-to-day operations actually to his wife Helen coming, which in all honesty at this time was fucking unheard of. I mean, it's 1824 and you have a woman who's a boss of a distillery. Mm -hmm. Um, Helen Cumming actually became somewhat of a legend 
for her prowess in evading taxation on her whiskey. She did not want to play by the book, so to speak. She was an incredibly insightful businesswoman and business forecaster and really set the groundwork for future scotch producers. She would actually sell bottles of their whiskey through the window of their farmhouse to travelers. Oh, wow. Yeah, to travelers traveling on the road. So hence we have like the first drive-through liquor store. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's like the <laughs> oh, first wow. drive-through liquor store. Brew it's through. true. It's true. This is an 1824. Uh, so Cardu, the distillery itself, was actually built on a hilltop overlooking the River Spey. Uh, from this height, Helen was actually able to spot the tax collectors from miles away and actually cover. She, this is what she actually did. She actually covered herself in flour and said she was baking bread to disguise the smell of the whiskey. Oh, wow. She would offer the tax men tea and crumpets. She would raise as as they were eating these tea and crumpets, she would actually raise a red flag high in the sky, alerting nearby distillers that the tax man was making his rounds. <laughs> a cunning The tax man com- cometh. A, a, yes, a cunning coming. Yeah. She was. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Wow. So after several years the distillery was actually eventually rebuilt on a different plot of land, but the coming still owned it. The old stills from the old distillery were actually sold to a little startup distillery called Glenfiddich. Mm. This was Helen's idea in order to make money to expand her production at the time. In turn, helping one of the largest single malt brands in the world to get up and running. Little did she know. The Cummings would eventually leave the distillery to their daughter-in-law, Elizabeth, who would run the day-to-day operations and would eventually sell the distillery to Johnny Walker and Sons. Helen wouldn't be a silent partner after this. Uh, after the sale, she continued to contribute to the distillery well into her 90s. Damn. Yes. Whiskey uh, did her good. Yeah, for real. Whiskey woman 24-7. For <laughs> yeah. real. Tax evader 24-7. Um, <laughs> so actually today, um, you know, any uh, intelligent buyer, intelligent consumer would know that Johnny Walker, uh, the blends of Johnny Walker are mostly made up of Cardu single malts. Uh, because Diageo does own the brand. Uh, so what I have here for this whiskey segment is actually celebrating these groundbreaking women of whiskey is the Cardu 12-year single malt, priced about $45. And here are my tasting notes on the Cardu 12-year. It's an easygoing space-side single malt, uh, incredibly light in the glass. Whiskey has some great ripe fruit on the nose, peaches, apricots, some honey, actually some fresh Belgian waffles. Speaking of flour, um, in the mouth, it is medium bodied with a nice rich mouthfeel. Oak is present. So is that honey and ripe peach as well as dried fruits and a certain uh, biscuity quality to it. That just reminds me of the holidays for some reason. Uh, the finish lingers with that honey coming through more and more. But man, I really couldn't think of a better whiskey analogy to heart than the comings of Cardu. Damn, get in here. Pour me some. (laughs) As long as there's no uh, tires or Band-Aids involved, I'm in. Yeah, man. Why does some whiskey have that damn Band-Aid taste? That's weird because, you know, I've had customers say this as well to me Mm -hmm. about the Band-Aid taste. And I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I'm sorry. Mm. Maybe it's Uh, just me. I don't know. I didn't want to take away from your whiskey segment. That was kick-ass, babe. Good job. Yes. No. I like no, that you told good. the story, highlighted female, which I appreciate. 
I love it. But this is, and it's it's not a name that people know. Mm-hmm. It's not a brand that people know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she was doing at the time she was doing it is astronomically important. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my whiskey segment. Yeah, buddy. All right. One of the un- unsung heroes of whiskey. All right, so let's talk about heart, shall we? And uh, yeah, we have a little bit of a timeline here um, with their career. So, as I kind of mentioned in my whiskey segment, most of our listeners equate heart to the powerful duo of Anne and Nancy Wilson. And when I say powerful duo, obviously Anne Wilson's voice, but Fuck, man. Nancy Wilson is an incredible guitar player. Mm-hmm. She's an incredible yeah. vocalist, as I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, but actually, when this band formed in 1967, the Wilson sisters weren't even in the picture at all. The band was actually called The Army and consisted of Steve Fawson on bass, Roger Fisher on guitar, Don Wilhelm on lead vocals and guitar, and Ray Schaefer on drums. Now, as with as is the case with a lot of the bands we've talked about in the three years of doing this show, there we could be here for a year going through all the lineup changes that this band had in the first couple of years of its infancy. Um, the band changed their name, actually, to White Heart in 1970, and then subsequently to just Heart the following year. It is at this time that Ann Wilson joined the band, and they actually dropped the name Heart and went with Hocus Pocus. I love Hocus Pocus, by the way. Like the movie, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know that, um, you know, since Anne and Nancy had a dad who was in the Marines, the name The Army just could not stand. So. Mm -hmm. Very true. Anyway. Very true. To make a long story short, um, the band proceeded to abscond to Canada after Anne fell in love with um, Roger Fisher's brother, Mike, at a Hocus Pocus show. It sounds kind of weird saying that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if you are wondering um, at all why they moved to Canada, well, Mike Fisher was a draft dodger during the Vietnam War era, and uh, Nancy Wilson would eventually jump on board in 1974 after you know some coercing by her sister, from what I recall, yes. um, hearing about. And um, Hart was officially formed. The band consisting now of the Wilson sisters, Roger Fisher, Steve Fossen, and newcomer Mike DeRossier on drums and a boatload of session musicians um, <laughs> would enter the studio and record their debut album, Dreamboat Annie, which was released in September of 1975. The album spawned two hit singles in the U.S., Big hit singles, um, Magic Man and Crazy on You. Yeah, it was kind of a slow build for this album. It was first only released in Canada and then found distribution in the Pacific Northwest. Then it slowly trickled out from there. 
controversy and tension only followed from the album, unfortunately. So at this time, the band was contracted through Mushroom Studios. Hmm, I love that name. name. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting names throughout this. There are uh, so many small labels <laughs> back then that... Magic yeah. Mushroom Studios? No, it's just Mushrooms. <laughs> Probably. I mean... Hey, Mushroom hey, Studios. I got your fucking mushroom righty. Hey, hey, hey yo. <laughs> Sorry. From New That's Jersey. Right. Comes out yeah. sometimes. So um, the studio released a full page ad in 1977 with Ann and Nancy standing back to back, bare shouldered with a, quote, suggestive comment underneath. Now, during an interview, a reporter actually insinuated that the sisters may actually be sex partners. Ew, vomit. Bleh. That's crazy. Um, like, how do you not do your homework before you actually ridiculous. band? Like, <laughs> um, I, he was just kind of expressing his little made-up fantasy in his head that he should have just kept to himself. True. Yeah, but in a way, we are all forever grateful for that moment because it yes. actually prompted a seriously pissed-off Anne to storm back to her hotel room where she would promptly pen the lyrics to the driving force behind the band's second album, which is to become... Ooh, Barracuda. Yeah. It's crazy where the, the inspiration can be drawn for right? some of these famous songs. But uh, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, can you blame her? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus. Like focus uh, on the effing music. For real. But, you know, it. you want to say a different time. But at the same time, it's like you're looking back on this stuff. And it's like, you the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um Hart eventually left Mushroom over the mm-hmm. controversy and actually signed a new deal with Portrait Records, who was, I believe, a subsidiary of CBS Records. Uh, so they're getting a little bit bigger here. At this point, Mushroom was actually trying to release the partially completed album Magazine, while the new studio Portrait subsequently was trying to release Little Queen. The legal tug of war resulted in, al- in the album Magazine being recalled. So weirdly enough, technically... This makes it their second album, but legally, after the re-release, it is recognized as their third album. So the album Little Queen was released in 1977 with the powerhouse at Barracuda leading the charge. The album would go on to sell well over a million copies. And in 1978, uh, would see the re-release of the magazine album and also the double platinum selling Dog and Butterfly. So they had actually two albums released in 1978. Yes, uh... Moving right along, in 1979, Roger Fisher was kicked out of the band. Oh, that sucks. Um, Nancy Wilson and Howard Lease would sub- subsequently share guitar duties. And in 1980, Hart would release their fifth album, Baby Lestrange, which actually spawned the band's highest charting single up until that time, Tell It Like It Is. The band then took a two-year hiatus before their next album, Private Audition, was released. And this proved to be their kryptonite, as this album and the follow-up album in 1983, Passionworks, were relative commercial flops. And this this decline was short-lived, however, as um, the band... You know, they were dropped by Epic. I remember, I heard about yep. they were dropped by Epic at this time. Epic just couldn't continue after that, you know, their decline. But fortunately for Capitol Records, they took a chance and um, signed them in 85 and subsequently 
began to kind of work on their image and move them to a more glam sound, a more um, pop, more hard, maybe a little metal sound um, in some instances, mm-hmm. leaving the acoustic and the folkiness of their uh, previous releases behind. So I just want to say real quick that Roger Fisher, yes, was voted out of the band, but this all stemmed from the relationship between Anne and Roger's brother, Mike, Mm -hmm. which had ended. And I guess by de facto that he's the brother of Mike and Anne is kind of the de facto leader of the band that Roger was voted out of the band. So completely severing the ties of the Wilsons and the Fishers at that point. Poor bastard. Poor bastard, but hey. (laughs) He had a good run. He had a good run. So the band eventually released their self-titled album to rousing acclaim in 1985. Oh, I was almost born. The album... (laughs) (laughs) Think of all the music you missed. I know, man. Damn. (laughs) So the the album would sell over 5 million copies and spawn five hit singles, including these dreams. I'm just going to sing all of these. No. (laughs) So um, they include These Dreams and What About Love. Uh, the band followed the success with 1987's Bad Animals, which spawned the hits Alone and Who Will You Run To? Bad Animals continued Hart's transition towards hard rock and arena rock and away from their sound of the 1970s and early 80s. Um, 1990's Brigade, the band's 10th studio album, she's was also a success, though not as successful as as its two predecessors. It did have several hit singles, uh, including the track, All I Want to Do is Make Love to You. Oh, a little bit of trivia here. Do you know who Mm -hmm. actually wrote the song, All I Want to Do is Make Love to You? I should know that. I know it's not them. No, it wasn't. It was written by none other than John Mutt Lang. Oh, Mutt Lang. Mm Mm-hmm. Jen's like, who's for... Wow, <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> Any other band's songs, including Def Leppard, mm. and uh, who eventually moved into country music and married. Do you know who we married? Oh, you're full of trivia. That's usually Shania Twain. Oh, damn. There you go. Anyway. So that's actually a great, great transition to my next point here. Um, but I will say, don't you miss the days when bands would release an album a year or an album every two years just doesn't happen anymore yeah no every couple of years well some bands do some bands don't i can't think of any band it was more prevalent back then how about we'll say that i can't think of any band that does that now and i'm talking like any artist i'm talking like any are there any real bands anymore no there are but i'm saying like even the big pop artists i feel like they don't release an album a year anymore yeah, it's such a crowded landscape these mm-hmm. days for rock and uh, pop. It's, you know, it's so many bands who can release on their own schedules, but we could go off on a tangent. That's another topic. Of course. <laughs> oh, it's a good tangent. What the hell? Jeez. <laughs> Calm down there. All right. So anyway, my <laughs> original tangent. My, let me go back to my original tangent, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you mentioned Mutt Lang. Um, so with the move to capital, we see a shift in the songwriting of the band. So whereas Anne and Nancy were writing 
pretty much writing every song on the albums. Here we see they bring in outside songwriters. Um, we've seen this before. Uh, I cite Aerosmith as a huge example when they were going through their downtrend in the early to mid eighties uh, and they couldn't seem to get off the drugs. Yeah. Uh, they brought in the outside songwriters for permanent vacation and they just took off into a different stratosphere from there and sort of had a revitalization of their career. We're seeing something similar happen here with heart where they hit the, they hit the basement really with their 83. Uh, I think it was their 80 release and 83 release. Uh, and they bring in some outside songwriters, change the look, change the sound. And all of a sudden they're selling five times more albums than they did in the seventies. Uh, but we'll get into that later when we talk about, you know, some of their albums. Um, they would actually release one more album in 1993 titled desire walks on Nancy Wilson would actually, after this subsequently step away from the mu- from music altogether, really in 1995 to go raise a family, start a normal life. Uh, Ann Wilson actually continued to tour with uh, what came to be known as the Ann Wilson band. Uh, not long after that, Ann and Nancy would reunite to collaborate on a side project called the love mongers. I hmm. love that name. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, actually released an album in 1997 entitled Whirly Gig. Love Whirly that name Gig. Too. Whirly Gig sounds like nice. a Pokemon. Yes. <laughs> Whirly Gig. Now, I didn't listen to this album, but I would imagine it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, Anne and, Anne and Nancy would eventually reform Heart in 2002 with a new lineup and move on to actually release three more studio albums over the course of the next decade. Uh, decade plus, uh, Red Velvet Car, Fanatic, and their latest, Beautiful Broken. Underneath a temper, underneath a dress, like a wild flames, you got a secret mind, getting your attention each and every time. Beautiful Broken, Beautiful Broken. And, of course, as I had said earlier the band was inducted to the rock and roll hall of fame in 2013 and get this they were inducted by none other than the late chris cornell what an honor in august of 2016 ann's husband dean wetter was arrested and charged with aggravated assault on nancy's 16 year old twin sons during a heart performance the subsequent legal mess led to a rift between Ann and Nancy, who actually didn't speak to each other for approximately two years. And the sisters finally reunited in February of 2019 and began touring again. And as of today, they're still doing their thing. Yeah, can you imagine that? Like <laughs> Having both of your kids fucking beat up. And the crux of that story, actually. Mm-hmm. The reason why this guy went off on Nancy's twin sons was because I guess that he had he had an RV at this gig that they were doing, and it was a hot day, and the, one of the kids actually left the door to the RV open as they left. Oh, because in they, I read yeah. the same stories because they the the and they let the dogs out because the dogs got yeah, out yeah, and he got yeah. pissed because the dogs got out of the RV and. Oh, who knows? He was probably, my guess is he was probably drinking at the time or something. I would imagine, you know, RV, but who RV knows? park, Budweiser's Wait. probably flowing. <laughs> so what did he do to the, the boys? Um, He just immediately kind of smacked one of them on the back of the head and they uh, argued further. Yeah. And then he, then he actually hit him on the back of the head and the kid kind of got dazed and 
Um, the other, his brother tried to stand up for him and he grabbed him by the throat and started to choke him. And it was, but remember, yeah. but remember it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's Anne's husband who's hitting Nancy's kids. Anne's husband. So that's why they didn't, that's why they didn't yeah. talk for two years. Yeah. 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 Mr. Wetter. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> last name. It looks good All right, so that is Heart in a Nutshell. So um, do you want to discuss some of these albums? Do you want to discuss Heart? As a, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to actually talk to each of you about how you guys were introduced to Heart, how you became a fan of Heart, some of your favorite songs and albums. So maybe we can go around and we can hit that. Okay, well, I'll start since I'm probably the first Heart fan here (laughs) (laughs) just the fact by age i guess yes um the two albums um heart and bad animals came came out right smack dab in the middle of my high school career um and i have both of these albums and i listened to them (laughs) a lot uh the album heart from 1985 actually had on cassette and the album bad animals i actually have right here have on CD and it was probably one of the one of the first few CDs they actually purchased because I got my first CD player in 1987 so right about the time this album came out uh, my first CD is, was actually um, Hysteria by Def Leppard but anyway uh, yeah. that's another story that is another um, story <laughs> yeah so yeah I both these albums I have listened to repeatedly and um, the, the original album Heart, going back to it and listening to these again, um, that's like one of those rare albums that I can listen to beginning to end without almost every single time. Uh, Bad Animals, almost the same way. The, the last two tracks kind of kind of lose me, but um, when I when I was listening to these in high school, you know, I never really realized the whole that this was an established band. You know, for you know a probably a decade before these albums are released, and so it was kind of surprising to me later on when I found oh, you know, like I Barracuda and Magic Man, and also like, yeah. wow, you know, these are great songs too. Yeah, you know, and so I started listening to some of their older stuff, but. Uh, for me, in my experience, the, the albums Heart and Bad Animals, those are that's like the peak in the bell curve of their career for me. Hmm. So. Didn't you have the same kind of experience with I wanna say it was Metallica, but where you kind of got them at a certain time and then you realized, oh hey, they have a back catalog. Uh, not so much Metallica. I knew it Metallica was somebody, though. had yeah. been around for a while, but I just hadn't gotten into them until later. But uh yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about, and it'll probably come to me at some point. But uh, yeah, it's another yeah, one of those. Yeah, there was definitely somebody else that you had the same experience with. I remember jogging my memory here. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you, Jenny? Um, so my experience with Heart, I don't honestly. I remember hearing these dreams as a you know when as a kid, but I don't you know, never equated it to that being heart. 
Um, so I really just started becoming more familiar with them. Um, um, I don't know. That's a, that's a weird question. <laughs> Let me well, think I mean, about was it, this. Was it when you were like performing or was it before that? Probably when I was performing, I was like, oh, this is heart. This is the, that song. This is the other song. So, yeah. They, thank you for the save there. So, yeah. That, that's that, fine. That's it. <laughs> Um, but to me, I, I really liked um, one of my favorite one albums that they had was their self-titled um, album. Um, I feel like Bad Animals kind of reminded me a little bit of their more beginning folksy stuff, although not as folksy. I mean, how many damn versions of the song Dreamboat Annie do you need on an album? There are three. So I think that was a little bit excessive. Wait, but, wait um, what are you talking about? Dreamboat Annie. Oh, I see. Oh, you're talking about. Okay, I thought you meant that that Dream Boat Annie was. I thought you're still talking about the album Bad Animals. Oh yeah, no. You, <laughs> you, 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 you pivot. You pivot real quick there. I did. Sorry. <laughs> let me let me backtrack. So no, um, it, it just Bad Animals. Let me go back to Bad Animals. It just seemed. It, it had a lot of the like keyboard sound effectsy kind of stuff and. I'm not super into that. It was um, very I, of the time. I, yeah, yeah. I do appreciate, trust me, I mean, I, I appreciate a good keyboard sounding <laughs> song when it's, uh, when it feels good in the song, like, um, um, like there's the girl. Yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like at some points it was kind of a little bit repetitive and a little bit too I much. More. But when I listened to their self, um, the self-titled heart um all of the songs were really rockish she wolf and shell shock i mean were probably one of my favorites on there other than the super duper big hits um what about love obviously in these dreams um but they uh, that was definitely for me was more my style yeah um you know, my biggest problem now going back and listening to it with the their self-titled album is the mixing of uh, the production of the album, there is mm-hmm. like no bass at all to this. It's all very tinny sound. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, that's not to take away from the the quality of the uh, music or anything. Mm-hmm. It's the writing itself, but um, the production. I think I I wish we could they could go back and and remix it. It kind of reminds me of the the album Injustice for All, where there's like no. No, no base. base in there at all. <laughs> that kind of what it reminds me of a little bit. <laughs> you can see that. Yeah, so I mean, I agree with you, Jen, on the keyboardness, the guitarness, you know, whatever you want to call it. Bad yeah. keyboards, you know. Um, they weren't bad. It was just the fact that it was there. It's the keyboard animals, you know, whatever yeah. you want to, yeah. <laughs> whatever pun you want to make with the title. Um, but it kind of reminds me of the transition that Lita Ford made, you know, toward that same period of like mid to late eighties where she was going from like the pure rock to kind of incorporating that sort of poppy keyboard into her albums, mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't dig by the way at, at all. I really thought she should have kept with what was working for her. Um, but I, I, you know what you said, Ed, it, it's true. I mean, it's the times, you know, you're talking 85 to 90 where this stuff was popular, but there's stuff that fits and then there's overkill. I mean, I even, 
Yeah. Even Van Halen was doing it. Look yes, at the beginning but, of Jump. Okay, okay you know? hold on. I mean, hold on. <laughs> you can't compare Van Halen keyboard usage with anything else because i think all, all i'm saying I, i'm not talking about quality all i'm talking about is it was there it was there no absolutely but i think that they set a standard for keyboard usage <laughs> as weird <laughs> as that sounds because i always <laughs> use them as an example of how it works a hundred percent sure yeah. yeah and how there is sometimes it works 25 percent, and then 75 percent is just blah so like 100 percent van halen do Okay, that's like 100% for me. Uh, but some stuff is just overkill. And, you know, I'm going to backpedal a little bit a decade to, you know, the mid-70s with albums like Dreamboat Annie and Little Queen. So I'm guessing you're not a Herbie Hancock fan. Herbie Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You mean John Hancock? You ever see that movie, Tommy Boy? Oh gosh, it's been been decades. Yeah. So, like for me anyway. So like these songs from the two albums, Heart and Bad Animals. It's like I've heard them many many times. Would I ever equate them to being Heart? Weirdly, no, because in my mind I have this sound of what Heart is to me, which is the Magic Man, the Crazy on You, the Barracuda the little queen i have that sound that's heart to me and then i hear these songs i'm like i know these songs holy shit that's heart you know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying like you hear it on the radio a hundred times you're like well this is some female singer from circa 1980 something and Uh i never made the connection so Uh you know i could see how experience when we did um When um when we did oh my gosh Blondie, I was like oh my gosh this is bl- oh that's that's her it, it's almost like they they click. Yeah, so I mean, like that being said, like I appreciate all these songs to a point, but it's weird because I'm younger than you, but I know Heart as being the folky rock Heart and not necessarily the guitar synthesizers. 1980s power ballad heart you know well there's no reason yeah. you you should have been introduced to either 70s or 80s you know before the other whereas me you know i couldn't help but be introduced to the 80s heart well, touche yeah, you know because you know right. Yeah. right when i was in high school so i i couldn't have avoided that but you um i guess it was just you know just fate that uh caused you to be exposed to the 70s heart uh Initially, so I don't know if you covered this. I know you mentioned it briefly, but when you actually purchased these albums, how long was it until you went back and said, "Hey, they have all this other stuff from the past decade"? Oh gosh, you know I couldn't tell you because I know it's a different it time. It's been, not like you can find it on your phone. You know what I'm saying? It could it's have like, been a yeah. year later. It could have been, you know, ten years. I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah, because it all would have depended. Would have depended on you know, when I heard it on the radio or whatever, and, and I heard, okay, this is heart and this is heart and this is magic man. And that's why I was curious because it's not instant as it would have been now where you're like, Oh, this album's great. Let me see what else they have. Let me go on my phone. I can find it in two seconds. You know, it would have been different back then, which is why I was curious and why I asked. So, 
Yeah, no, it's um, funny too. Is yeah. I when I was listening to um a bunch of heart music, I ran across a song, and I'm thinking, man, this is a cover. Is this a cover of a country song? Because it sounded familiar. Now, my wife's a big country fan. And there was a band called Blackhawk. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Um, they had an album with a song called Will You Be There in the Morning? And I heard Hart singing this song. And I'm like, wait a minute. was Who who covered who here? I'm, ge- I'm guessing <laughs> that Blackhawk prob- probably covered Hart. There's been a few of those, yeah. You know, and then I looked it up. And sure enough, Hart released um, Will You Be There in the Morning in 1993. And then um, Blackhawk, I guess, covered it in like '87. So, so very close. Yeah, from their Desire Walks On album. So I had mentioned briefly in the timeline that you know Hart had brought in Anne and Nancy, kind of took a step back and brought in some outside creative songwriters for at least their first three Capitol Records releases, which would have been Hart. Bad animals and well, wait a minute. Brigade. Yeah. yeah. The way you worded that, they didn't bring in the writers. The record company brought in the writers, mm. and they just Did they really agreed, have no choice. They agreed to it. They agreed to it, but it wasn't their idea. It was the record company's idea. So you're saying that they had to agree to it in order to sign with Capital? I don't know if I would word it that way. Maybe or you could. after the fact. Okay. But, but that was part of Capital's deal that they agreed to. Go watch the interview. Anne and Nancy Wilson did a great interview with Dan Rather um, just a few years ago. And they cover a lot of this. Okay. But, Fair uh, enough. Yeah. Interesting how, uh, but they, they, they made a point of telling him, you know, it's like, this wasn't our idea, but we did agree to it. So they, you know, they own up to it. But look what it produced, I guess, is yes. my point. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, and like I, I, I drew the analogy to Aerosmith, who I, I don't know the details of their deal with, I guess at the time was Geffen Records when they went to Geffen from Columbia and they released Permanent Vacation, Pump, Get a Grip. They had brought in or the record company I brought in those outside writers to assist. And you could say that they had their biggest hits during that time. Dude looks like a lady, you know, Janie's got a gun, loving the elevator, crying, you know, Dude. the list goes on and on. That's actually when, when I was introduced to Aerosmith, maybe that's the band. Maybe that's the that band, you were yeah. thinking of. Yeah. Cause I love, then 70s. I really realized later that they had this whole back catalog that went back to the seventies. Cause I like, you know, not sober Aerosmith from like the seventies, you know, sweet emotion <laughs> walk this way. Like I like mm. that stuff. Um, but, and actually another interest, you brought up Mutt Lang before I have another yeah. interesting kind of, um, you know, person who kind of co-wrote one of their hit songs. So these dreams co-writer on that Bernie Taupin best known for working with who, who, who? Bernie Taupin. Best known for writing most of whose songs? The whose songs? No. Best known for writing whose songs? <laughs> oh, that's a question. I thought you were saying you wrote for the who. The who? No, not the who. <laughs> Best known for writing whose songs? Oh, shoot. I'm surprised Jen doesn't um, know this, actually. I have no idea. Elton John. 
Oh, oh really? stop it. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. I just watched Rocket Man. So. Did you? Yes. Great movie. I haven't seen it, but I, I definitely want to. Oh, you have to see it. I've always been such an Elton John fan. Like, my parents, like, we weren't allowed to watch MTV or anything when we were younger. <laughs> I don't know why. My parents thought we would, my like, join gangs or something. TV, but... You grew up in the time of Beavis and Butthead and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, my mom always listened to Elton John. And I remember El- Elton John, Rod Stewart, Billy Joel... So I remember watching like an MTV awards and I'm like, mommy, I don't know any of these is Elton John in any of these categories. Like, I don't know these people. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do love me some Elton. Anywho, so sorry. not to get too far off topic, but obviously you're more of a Freddie Mercury fan. I would imagine Ed than, than Elton John, but do you feel, uh, I, I'm kind of a big fan of both of them actually. Okay. Yeah. So, um, to compare the movies, do you feel like they did a good job on that one? Okay, I thought they were both really good movies. Um, I prefer um, Bohemian Rhapsody to Rocket Man, but they were both good. I I'd watch them either one of them multiple times. Good to know. Now I, on. Um, Rocket Man, I know that Elton John did collaborate with them because he wanted that to be as accurate with a lot of the experiences as possible. Well, didn't the Queen uh, guys collaborate too? Yeah, Queen Queen was, Brian May was there a, a lot yeah. of the steps of the way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, with the Elton John film, it seemed like they didn't really, he didn't really want to pull a lot of punches. He wanted to tell it how it is. Because wow. there's a lot of, you know, kind of tough stuff in that movie, too. As there should be. I mean, yeah. you know. That time of, that that was a tough time for a lot of gay men. They were, I, mm-hmm. you know, we have this with Freddie Mercury. I know Elton John lost a, a lot of friends as well. I remember seeing interviews and everything with him. Um, so, yeah. I really want to. I really want to really see that. Why haven't yeah, we seen that yet? I don't know. We'll see it. Yeah, we'll see it. I'm just waiting for you know what what's next down the pike, man. It's got to be a Bowie movie. We got to get that Bowie movie. <laughs> oh, there yeah, has to be one. Do you think that's gonna be, be the new the new there thing now? They're just gonna make these oh, the, biopics. So the, the rock star, yeah, the rock yeah. star. And I was reading an article on this too, and I can't remember. It might have been might have been Rolling Stone, uh, but the rock star biopic is actually going to be like the next hot genre of film i mean there already is really yeah so, it is now yeah so i mean people that are still alive people that have passed away you know i mean you think about everyone i mean you could a bowie movie a lemmy movie i mean wants can you to put money on kurt cobain I mean, cobain yeah. i'm surprised that hasn't happened yet yeah, yeah. <laughs> who do you guys think would be a good pick to play bowie uh, how can you do it i mean the man's a chameleon i mean prince you can do a movie about him too Oh, Bowie, man. I, couldn't, I couldn't, man. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I, I got somebody. No. Who's that? Who? And I'm just going by looks alone that mm-hmm. I think could pull it off. Um, uh, Doctor Strange, whatever the fuck his name is. Doctor Cumber- Strange. Cumberbatch? Yeah, Benedict Hunt- Cumberbatch. Benedict. Benedict. Just by uh, looks alone. He's got that gaunt look. You know, he could no. do the hair. No, he's way too tall and boxy. He's a little too old yeah. at this point to do, like, the younger Bowie. Yeah. 
But I, I can kind of see where you're coming from, though, Matt. So it's it's not completely a loss. So yeah, me, so the look, but, the look uh, is not too far off, though, I'm saying. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Now that we've got... What about love? I that. mean, what about heart? <laughs> <laughs> now that we've gone off that tangent. So, all right. So <laughs> even though we're not battling albums here, I guess just to put a nice bow on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what album would you say is your favorite Ed. Oh, man. Putting me on the spot here. I am putting you on the spot. Um, <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about that, actually, earlier today. I was listening to Heart and Bad Animals, and it definitely has to be one of those two. That's that's a given. Yeah. So, Why does that have to be one of those two? I don't like Because <laughs> those are my two favorite Heart albums, right off the bat. Um. <laughs> So to me, it comes down to those two. Um, so, you know, in my own mind, I was having an album battle <laughs> with myself. <laughs> You're and conflicted. yes, but after at, at first, I thought, okay, Bad Animals has my favorite heart song on there from these two albums. Who will you run to? Mm-hmm. But then I'm thinking. Man, I'm I'm looking at the track list on Heart, and like I said before, this this album I can listen from front to back every time, no problem. So, to me, that's the sign of a great album. So I would have to give the edge to to Heart as my favorite Heart album. Wow, I was Ed, expecting that. And completely ignoring the '70s. Now the see the problem I have with the seventies is so Dreamboat Annie, you have Magic Man and Crazy on you. Those are two great songs. Mm-hmm. I couldn't give two craps about the rest of the album. I agree. Um, it's uh, folk seventies folk music. Mm. If you, you know what. No, all right, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Sorry. Go ahead. And then Little Queen, you have Barracuda, and then there's everything else. Oh, come on. So, I mean, to me, Heart and Bad Animals are like the the top of the bell curve for this this band for me. So that's the way I see it. That's the way I experienced mm. it. Mm-mm. That's the way it is for me. No. I want to make. I want to make my own little greatest hits CD with all of the ones that I like. Take some here from from here from here, because I've I've listened to your show once or twice. I know how this works. Pick the ones with the songs that you just can't live without. But I like to think of the albums as a whole. Crazy on You, Magic Man are probably two of my favorite songs ever. Barracuda. On Little Queen, it doesn't belong on there. I don't know what the hell it's doing on there, but it definitely doesn't belong on there. It's a completely I agree different with sound. You. It's, it's completely uh, different sound than everything it's else. Like what? That you, you, you? This album starts off with Barracuda, yeah, and then everything after that is like you just teased me with this awesome <laughs> song, and what did yeah, you? Yeah, you're like so, waiting for the next one. Yeah, so you make the it last... akin to like Led Zeppelin three, where it's like immigrant song and then everything else. <laughs> The last, that, the, last, yeah. the last two songs on, on Little Queen are Cry to Me and Go Cry On, which is just instructions as what you're supposed to do after you listen to that album. Ooh. So um, so for me, 
just like you, Ed, it was between heart and bad animals. And I'm going to have to go with heart. It's more my style. Bad animals had a little bit more of that keyboardy sound, which I said isn't exactly my jam. But um, I'm going to go with their self self-titled album i am so surprised at this i really am wow fuck on that larusso (laughs) (laughs) so what do you think well i can't like i'm gonna i'm gonna do the exact opposite argument that you did i have to go with that if all these all things being equal what songs can i not do without Mm -hmm. and i have a there are albums out there that have songs on them that can carry them through to the end of the album. It's like, no matter what else is on this album, that song mm-hmm. was like, I just said Led Zeppelin, it was Led Zeppelin three, I think, or Led Zeppelin four, one of those that had immigrant song on it. And they really didn't have it's not four, four it's history not four. to heaven. So it's, so it's three, probably two or three that has immigrant song on it. And it's just like nothing much else after that. But that song it's like, can I live without Immigrant Song? Could I not pick that album over something else because of that song being on it? And that's how I feel about, you know, Dreamboat Annie. I'll give you Dreamboat Annie. I'll give you your guys' gripes about it. Okay, there's a lot of folky sort of backwoods shit that's on that album that... <laughs> Making my moon shine. I can see where it would turn somebody off, but I'm saying that there are more rock roots... White lightning in, and wine. There are more... <laughs> Rock I did roots. like that song. Hold on. There are more rock roots in Little Queen than there are on anything that they put out in the 80s. I'm sorry. <laughs> there is. I mean, to the last two songs aside, the first eight tracks, there's just more rock foundation there. No I'll fucking be, way. I'll, I'll be you have some acoustic no stuff in there. But, I mean, I would take the acoustic rock stuff any day over um, synthesized keyboard stuff that is supposed to be rock, but it's not. It's pop. So that being said, Heart, the self-titled album, is a great album. It's a super important album. Uh, it had to be made at the time it was made. I understand that. Uh, but at the end of the day, I have to go with Little Queen. I have to pick that album. Little Queen was my least favorite. Nah, it's still better than Dreamboat Annie. I'm sorry. I'm questioning all of my life choices right now. <laughs> <laughs> like the what? first that means you uh, other than oh yeah, <laughs> thank you, Ed. Yes. <laughs> other than Barracuda, which is two-way street. the first <laughs> the first song. <laughs> Songs two through four were all like folksy. Like look in the definition in the dictionary. Look and, and you will see. Songs at least two, two through four. Kick it's it out was really good. It's certainly not it as folksy I'll as. I'll give that one to you. It's certainly not as folksy as Dreamboat Annie. First of all, it's not. And second of all, I feel like they still had some artistic fucking freedom while working for a small record label at this time, where they could actually make the music they want and make their own decisions, not mold themselves to a larger record label sort of what they wanted them to sound like and what they wanted them to be albeit as you said ed maybe they had to agree to a certain number of people coming in from the outside to help them write the songs but that still doesn't really you have people come in from the outside and write their songs doesn't really change the sound that much still has to come from within so 
that being said, I don't think like this is still heart. This is heart to me is what I'm saying. Like this I, is free heart. Need, this is Anne and Nancy it. at their best. I do kind of dig the dig what? the whole Renfair vibe of the uh, Little Queen album, though. Yes, the album cover. <laughs> Give me a good Renfair costume over a fucking blowout, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or what have oh, you. Oh, that was that, that was like that's classic '80s right there. The cover of uh, Heart. Oh man, you can't get more '80s than that. Tell you Matt, what. what about love and these dreams? What the hell's wrong with you? Get your head out of your ass, Larusso. Come on. I will say that. Um, I will say that actually, uh, from that album, mm-hmm. Shaw Shock is cool. I like The Wolf. Um, I like If Looks Could Kill. And I actually do like Never. I actually think Never is a really good song. Never is really Nothing good. Nothing at all is awesome, too. <laughs> that one. Her vocals were really good and nothing at all. But I just feel like yeah. I feel like music like this fell into like like they took they took things from out here and they funneled it into like this one little tiny shot glass of like you have to look like this, you have to sound like this, you have to incorporate this, you have to bring in these writers here and then everything kind of just went into this tiny little shot glass in like 1986 and they're like okay this is the album you have to make it doesn't matter what you did before this is what you have to do now so like Lita Ford yeah so like Lita Ford dude Lita Ford Pat Benatar Hart there's probably a countless number of different artists that I can't even think of off the top of my head those are just the first three that I could think of that kind of molded themselves to this sound you know around this time period you know, it's mm-hmm. a shame it had to happen that way. Correct. But it was a blessing for them that it did. Yeah. I mean, because business but look standpoint, at it, absolutely yes. Not just a business standpoint, but don't say an uh, look, what, look, what, look what look what look what the fans got. Look what album we got. Yeah, but this is a great album. But they and that's what we're basing our votes on is how cook- much we enjoyed the album, not Correct, but they how cookie- much we feel like the artists had input and creative freedom. And, and that's all well and good. Yeah. But this is Every all about what's our favorite album. Shit. Every artist goes through that shit. Yeah, but we, you, you can, have to change that. You have to maintain your image or you have to change your image. You have to, you know, it's ebb and flow. How many times has Metallica changed their look? There was never a record company that told them to change their look. I'm sorry. They changed it because they wanted to change it. That's a different story. But I when do you miss co- the mullet, though. Yes. When you cookie cutter these people, they, you cookie cutter them into this certain little, you know, thing. And you say, mm-hmm. here, go be this. Artis- like Business-wise, obviously, it's the best decision. You're going to make more money. You're going to sell more albums. You're going to grow your audience. But artistically, you're fucking dead. Yeah, and that's why they went out into Bill to make how many more albums after that? <laughs> and go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Did anything after? <laughs> yeah, you're right, Matt. That was like death <laughs> for them. And I'm talking, hold on. I'm talking anything after Capital. So anything they did, any of the new stuff they did, did anything sound like that? Did you listen to their newest album, 2016? No, I actually didn't. No, I did not. Okay. 
Neither did I, but I'm hoping it sounds <laughs> okay, old shit. So what the, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god. I doubt Eric there's a lot you're of people are going to try to shame album. us, but it was like, you know what I did do? I know. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> like, I thought I had you there, and it's like, <laughs> I got the big fish on the hook, and then it's like, fuck, I lost them. <laughs> nah, it's oh, fine. Man. This is why, but, why the yeah. show exists. This is why the show exists. You know, Matt, even though I don't agree with you, I can appreciate where you're coming from. Yeah. And I can appreciate where you're coming from, too, obviously. You know, it's um, and we went, you know, to the listeners. We didn't do an explicit album battle on this because we went back and forth on this topic because we couldn't agree on what to do. So we just wanted to like let it grow. Kind of battling. We're kind of battling, but we, we are. We did but, end up with a battle, but um, yeah. it happened organically. And I think it happened that, organically. Uh, that, I mean, it's. And Ed smoked you, Maddie boy. That's right. We should have just, you know, we shouldn't have had a guest, Eddie. We should have just left at you and me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, my God. You're such an asshole. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Come on. Yeah, you know? All right. Well, that was a great discussion. Oh, so much fun. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think we, as a group, are going to decide to do something a little different here. So since we didn't have a straight album battle... I want, we want you guys to pick our album battle for us. If you want to hear more heart, if you want us to talk more about this, we're going to leave it up to you. We're going to put four albums up there or five albums or six albums or seven albums. And we're going to let you guys choose two that we can battle. Wait a if minute. Ch- we, we have a winner. It's heart. This is not a straight battle. This was the plan. Uh, to do this. Okay. All right. I see where you're going with this. No, so, he's so Matt, saying that because he lost. See, this yeah. wasn't this wasn't planned. Matt, to be a battle Matt wants a chance to overturn, overturn yeah, because the winner. Yeah, three here. of us, and I'm sure if we had four of us here, we'd be tied. I don't know about that. I don't know, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to throw Matt a lifeline, all right, let's let's let, all right, all let's, right do let, let's let's do this. Go. Hold on, I have an idea. All right, so. We're going to put the four albums that we discussed, um, you know, at the majority on Instagram. We'll do it on Facebook. If one of those four albums is from the 1970s, if one of those four, if one of those albums wins, then we do this battle again. We do it again official. What? Yeah. Well, if so we if do one... it again, how is the result going to be any different? Yeah. We'll have to have four people here. To make oh, it possible, sake. <laughs> this is why Sailor asked me to sit and watch you people. Okay. All right, whatever. That so the poll, the poll is going up anyway. This is Matt's way of asking for a recount. The poll exactly. is going up anyway. Okay, it's Bye. going up anyway. All right, go yes. vote. Go vote. Even though Ed and I won with heart to appease Matt, we're gonna put up a poll. Yeah, we're gonna a talk big old poll. <laughs> I'll show you a fucking poll. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> it's the Demerara. <laughs> Demerara. Demerara. Sorry. See what I said. Stand up and turn around. Never let them shoot us down. So, 
listeners, thank you for sticking around as always. We hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did. Uh, want to thank Jenny as well from Pretty Good for a Girl for joining us. Oh, thank you, Jenny. Yes. Wow, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. The door is always open. It's right down the <laughs> hall. Um, <laughs> and as always, you can find us on Instagram and on the Twitter at Metal Rock Whiskey. And we also have a super cool Facebook group under Spirit of Rock Podcasts. And follow us individually. You can find me at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. Jenny. You guys can find me at Rumderwoman247. Edward. You can find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. And you can find Sailor everywhere on the internet as Sailor Retro. And hey, listeners, if you love us, and we hope you do, but even if you just like us, please hit that subscribe button and give us a review because it really does matter, especially the subscriptions. Um, and of course, tune in next week where we will be back. I don't know who's all going to be here, but we will be back <laughs> We're kind of for passionate. another episode <laughs> of Metal Rock and Whiskey. We're passionate together as we go along here <laughs> without Sailor. As the, as the lovely Sailor would say, should we all do it together? Fuck,